You know, this uh, coming back to church has changed kind of the dynamic. I look out and there's still some folks that are at home and I, I just miss people. I miss everybody and it's great just to see so many uh, great faces in the building with us and just being able to worship. I'm going to ask you a question. I don't mean, mean to make this personal, but I'm going to make this personal. Where would you rather be in your house or would you rather be in the sanctuary of Almighty God when He comes back? In the sanctuary. There's nothing like the Spirit that is in this place right now. And in the last few weeks, the Spirit of God has been so rich and so thick and it's just been wonderful just to feel the presence of the Lord in this place. We've been doing a series of messages about Jonah, but before we get into that, if you have your, your Bible, take it, if you would, please, with me as we do our Bible decree. And uh, as uh, you grab your Bible, the children are dismissed to head back to our children's chapel area with Miss Julie. So if you have your Bible, let's raise it high. And if you're at home, grab your Bibles and uh, let's say this together. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp into my feet and a light unto my path, I will hide its word to my heart that I might not sin against God. This week, I, I was challenging myself that God would remind me of the scriptures and to allow some of the, the memorization of scripture to come back to life uh, in my life. You know, not just to reference it, but to be able to quote it and to be able to say it. So, if you know God's holy word and if you've been hiding it in your heart, and if there are some that you have memorized, I want you to go back to it, revisit it. If not, can I just challenge you as a church and as an individual to just go ahead and put it on your uh, refrigerator and try to read it throughout the course of the week. Let God's word start to penetrate your soul, and then you'll be able to use that same text or passage with uh, somebody that God might come into your life. And so I think it, it, it would speak volumes uh, to them as you're able to communicate God's word in a time when it's so desperately needed. Uh, over the last several weeks, we've been talking about running from God, then running to God. Last week, I spoke of running with God in Jonah chapter 3. And uh, when we learned last week that Nineveh repented, they humbled themselves and they put on sackcloth. And Jonah then said to himself, I fulfilled my mission. I don't know that our mission is ever complete. And I will tell you why. Because in my life, when you think that your mission is complete, it isn't. God has something else in store, something, someone else in mind for you to minister to, for you to pray over for you to communicate with. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. Take your Bible, if you would, please, and turn to Jonah chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4. And as you turn there, ask yourself this question. Why do we have Jonah chapter 4? Jonah has been rescued from the storm, saved from the whale, and all Nineveh has been converted. Jonah, the most successful evangelist in the history of all times of the world, that I would have been tempted to leave this chapter out. But the question is, so why chapter 4? Because there still is a big problem here if we conclude this last month's series on Jonah, the whale of a tale. But you see here, here is the problem. And the bigger problem is Jonah. God had more trouble with his backsliding prophet than he had with a whole city full of pagan sinners. I love the story of Jonah. I love what it's done for me because I know there's been times in my own personal life and in my walk that I ran away from God. I ran from God. Now, when I ask you this question, when did you run from God? Where was it that you ran away from God? You could probably pinpoint a time in your life that you could say, yes, my fellowship, my relationship with Christ is not what it used to be or once was. 
So today, I want you to just take this message as we conclude it, and maybe put yourself in the same mind frame as Jonah. God used Jonah. God spoke to the prophet. The prophet ran from God. He ran away from God, ended up in this monster in the bottom of the sea, and then started singing, Lord, most high, and was spit up on land, spoke to the people in Nineveh, 120,000 converts were won because of his testimony and because of his story. So what is your whale of a tale? I say that every week because I want God to ask you, and as the Holy Spirit starts to bear witness with you, ask yourself this important question. What is my story? What can I share with someone or somebody in regard to my life in Christ? We have new hope for recovery today. CJ, Chris, Joanne, they're all at the Alpha House where that was uh, the place that CJ was so connected with. And today they're doing a big celebration. It was actually supposed to be yesterday, but because of the rain, they postponed it and put it in today. And God's provided a beautiful day for that as well. And, but we realized that in our recovery, that we couldn't do it without God. So we're here in Jonah chapter 4, and I want to read it if, if you would allow me, please. In Jonah chapter 4, Jonah's anger at the Lord's mercy. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very, very. I won't read it like I did last week. Don't worry about it. Y'all are getting concerned for a minute. Verse 2. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before, I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are merciful and a compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You're eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if... If what I predicted will not happen, the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry about this? Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. The Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But, also, but God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. And God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant. Though you did nothing to put it there, it came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Reminds me of, of my own life. And in our own personal relationships, we see God give provision. God provides. And it's still not enough. Isn't that amazing? So God provided for Jonah once again. But it wasn't enough for Jonah. There was something more he needed to gain. Isn't that much like our lives? God shows himself real to us. And yet, it's not enough for us because we're always comparing ourselves with other people. I can sit there and say, but, but God, you know I want to be as big as Billy Graham, as big as Joel Olstein, as big as who's another T.D. Jakes, as big as all these big massive churches out there. God didn't call me to do that. Neither did God call Joel's father to do that as well. God called me to reach the people right where I'm at. And we're, it's very difficult because so many of us covet. We always want something more. 
Yes, I'm just as guilty as you. We, we all enjoy the comforts of life. But we have to be careful, you know, how that might destroy our relationship with Jesus Christ. We look here at Jonah chapter 4 verse 1, and it says, This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. Jonah was exceedingly displeased, and he was exceedingly angry. Not just a little bit upset, greatly disturbed, mad enough to die. And anger is a great diagnostic tool. Its eruption is the signal that something is wrong. When you see anger, you're on to something very important. So Jonah is boiling because the whole city turned to God. Jonah was a bit overwhelmed by God's grace. Yes, I understand that. Jonah had left holy ground. The Holy Spirit had poured out creative gospel energy on Nineveh. More than at Pentecost, Jonah had no awareness that his profession had gone to the top. He saw things from such a small human viewpoint. Isn't that amazing? What do we see from such a small human viewpoint? How is it that we want to see the magnitude? We want to see just the depth of God and what He's doing. But we can only see it through our earthly eyes, not our heavenly eyes. Let me give you an example. There are more than 27 people in this sanctuary. We started with 27 people 15 years ago on a deck. And in that 27 years, not all those 27 people are in this church now. Then we went to the YMCA. Then we went to the Court Cultural Center. And then within one year, we were there at Riverside Drive. Not all those people are with us today. Do I mourn the loss, or do I move forward and continue to fulfill the mission that God gave me 15 and a half years ago? You fulfill the mission that God has given you. And if He has spoke to you in your life, don't get angry that it didn't turn out like you wanted it to. Celebrate that God is going to do what He needs to do in His timing. Amen? Let me give you an example. So, I, I'm like, I'm starting this church. God's laid this on my heart. We are reaching the world for Jesus. We are going to go bigger places and we're going to leave buildings in a single band, bound. And, but... And we've done that. But about 10 years ago, when discouragement started setting in my life, I almost started to feel like I was Jonah. Like I started to lose a sense of who I was and who I, I was in Christ because things weren't turning out the way Todd wanted. So what did I do? I went and climbed up on the side of that mountain, sat there, boo-hooed, cried a little, and said, God... Why? And he said, because this isn't about you, Todd. It's about me. Now, I realize that you get discouraged. I realize that you wear your feelings on your shirt sleeves. I know that you're sensitive. I get it. But I need you. I need you to fulfill what I needed done in the Summit County area. Well, to me, I kept thinking, oh, you know, we're here in North Hill. We're here in Cuyahoga Falls. That's where God called me. And now we're in Talmadge, Ohio. I don't know where God's taken me, but all I'm going to do is fulfill what God has for me. And you're a part of it. Isn't that amazing? Now think about it. So we're going we're gonna to take the 120,000 and bring it down to 120 people, but the 120 people are doing exactly what you're supposed to do. God is using you because he knows you have something of value to him to further the kingdom of God. And had Jonah sought out, sought out, seek you first the kingdom of God, it's amazing, I brought that up to the guys today when we were talking about Abram and Noah. When we realize that we are inadequate in who we are, but we become more adequate in him, and we seek first the kingdom, not second, not third, he says that, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and in your right living, and all these things will be added unto you. 
That's when I said, okay, enough's enough. All of this I'm getting mad over, I'm getting angry over, I'm upset over. I released it, I let go of it, and bam, like that, God delivered me. And then it resurfaced again. And then it resurfaced again. How many of you just sometimes get tired of emotions? Emotions sometimes just control in a negative way instead of in a positive way. And I believe that's why we start off with that the word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We will hide his words in our heart that we won't sin against God because he says in his word, be ye angry but sin not. Jonah started having a pity party up there um, and was just like, I'm over this. I'm mad. I'd rather die. But he didn't see the fruits. I am standing in a building, in a million-dollar property, that I am just as proud as a peacock to have our assistant pastor and his wife live in the parsonage. To see, do you know that when Tyler came, the concrete guy, he wasn't leaving here until he got a tour of the building. See, I hold people captive. That's exciting for me. Hey, I need to show you something. Well, you know, people try to get to their vehicles where they're not leaving until they hear my story. That's it. I don't care what anybody says. You will hear it. So if anybody's listening, do just put in at least a half an hour with Pastor Todd if you stop by the church. Because I will be telling you the story. That only God can give us a building like this because of your hands, your feet, and your resources. And so when I took him on that little tour in here, I said, look at this. He goes, ooh. He was doing everything like I wanted him to. Ooh. Ah. Wow. I love that floor. That carpet's great. Did you guys do all the decorating in here? Yeah. All the answers that were just filling me up to overflowing. I felt so good. I did. I was like, I feel loved. Yep. It doesn't matter. If there's just two people in that sanctuary, I feel loved because God was with me. And so he left. And then I did try to, to set him up. And I said, um, do you have the bill with you? And he said, no. And I said, well, it's all right. Just bring it to church on Sunday. <laughs> well, then I looked at him. He's like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> It's not in the building. Just saying. No. I, I told him it's okay. You don't have to be here, Tyler. But he has been to New Hope before. And, uh, but they did a great job, and I'm grateful uh, for just their level of perfection that they put into it. But I was reminded as I was standing out there and as I look at it that God isn't done. If he will use one Jonah to change 120,000 people, he can use you and he can use me. Isn't that awesome? We're not retired from the ministry. And I'm going off on a tangent. I've got to stick with this message. I just get excited because I know that I feel like there's times that I have felt like Jonah, but I know that God has delivered me when I said, okay, God, I'm sorry. I lost my way here. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Let's look at verse 2 and 3. Here he prays. It says, so he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away from Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. The last time he prayed was probably in the belly of the fish. He had not prayed for 40 days. He didn't pray for 40 nights. His spiritual gas tank was running on fumes, much like the old Disney movie Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. He was just going down the road, barely, barely, barely making it. And anger took over. Anger will destroy us quicker than a worm can eat through a gourd. And when we looked in the scriptures, anger equals six times in this chapter that it was mentioned six times. Can you see what Jonah's problem was? I read a book on Jonah, and it said that Jonah's real problem was that he did not really know God. However, I disagree. It's very clear that Jonah did know God and that he knew him very well. 
Jonah says, I knew all along you would do this. I knew you were gracious and forgiving. I knew that you were merciful. I knew you were slow to anger and exceedingly kind. I knew it. I knew that if I went to Nineveh and they did repent, that you would not destroy them. You would forgive them. That is, why you, that is what you always do. That is why I headed for Tarshish. Jonah was bitter. He's bitter. But God's purposes far exceeded anything Jonah could even fathom or imagine. God called him to Nineveh to give him an experience of what? Of amazing grace. Verse 2. Two words tell the story. I knew. His prayer begins with this phrase. What a contrast to what Paul said, I know. I am not ashamed because I know in whom I have believed. 2 Timothy 1.12 Jonah was spiritually dead. Jonah puts the blame on God. And be very, very careful when you blame God. Part of grief, part of loss is just, I'm angry at God. Be careful. It's appointed unto man once to die. We all have an appointment. Don't take that anger out on God. Verse 3. Jonah says, just let me die. Poor Jonah. He's exhausted. Just physically drained. Spiritually bankrupt. And we would agree that Jonah has been through the mill. He was overwrought, overworked, overwhelmed by it all. And there's often times for so many in this room, even myself, we get that way and we just want to quit. We want to give up. We say we can't do it anymore. We just want to resign to even serving God. Jonah says, if I can't get my way, then I don't want to live. He wished he were dead. And as far as I know, no one has ever died. By wishing. We die of our health. We die because of cancer. We die because of heart attacks, but not wishing it. Like the gastric juices of the well, a deep resentment was eating at Jonah, was just eating at the core. He resented the fact that God forgave and blessed these heathens. Jonah was occupied with self, and selfishness shrinks the soul. Notice how little Jonah has become. It is better for me. It is better for me. What is best for me? So what did he do? He took his focus off of God and put it on self. The whole city had been saved and his focus was on what? A vine. Now he starts boohooing over a vine because a worm ate it. It was, it was a catastrophe to lose his shade. Jonah had become a small man. When you focus on self, you shrink. Staring up to admire your halo creates a pain in your neck. When you focus on God, can you grow? Only when you focus on God can you grow. Depression often comes after some great moments in life. Even Elijah's depression also came right after a great victory at Mount Carmel. With the defeat of 450 prophets of Baal, Elijah ran off and sat down under the shade of a broom tree and prayed that he might also die. Both Elijah and Jonah were men who had been greatly used by God. Amazing, isn't it? Jonah was so concerned about his own reputation that he was of giving glory to God. And the question I'm going to ask you, are you more interested in getting glory for yourself or giving glory to God? Are you more interested in getting glory for yourself or giving glory to God? James chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. But he gives more grace, wherefore he says, God resists the proud, but he gives more grace to the, to the humble. Then he says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Philippians 1.6 says, Be confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2.9 says, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
a peculiar people. Every time I read that, yeah, I'm peculiar, all right. Are you peculiar? Do people see you as peculiar? You should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his glorious light. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. You're in the belly of the well. Life isn't going well for you. And then God in his sovereignty, God in his grace then meets you where you're at. He says, flee from Satan, draw nigh to me. There's no way that you can experience both. You can't enjoy the pleasures of the world, the pleasures of sin, and say that you're walking in holiness. Do I get an amen? Think about it. We have to draw the line somewhere. We have to practice social distancing from sin. And then walk in holiness in Christ. Jonah experienced exactly what many of us experience. We see the provisions of God, and then we run away from it. Last week, we anointed Russ with oil and asked God. They said, some things are going on. This is serious. This is very, very serious. He went back to the doctor this past week and got a great bill of health. Hallelujah. Amen. What does that mean? That means that there's power in praises. There's power in praying. There's power in God. When you stop and realize the power of God and what He can do, then guess what? We then say, God, I see it. I believe it. Jonah didn't want to. He was so self-consumed that he couldn't see the glory and the power of God. People said, can your church afford this? Do you know how many times I have heard over the years, we can't afford it. We can't afford it. We can't afford it. Thank you, God, that you are the CEO of the biggest bank in all of the world. Because he has made a way where there is no way. One thing I love about our treasurer is that we go by faith. He says, you know, Pastor, being an engineer, I used to, you know, when I first took this on, I would look at the numbers. And he's like, I can't figure this out. And George Nushis used to look at him and said, please, Steve, do not figure this out. There's no way of figuring it out. God does the rest, doesn't he? God knows what he's doing. And I looked at Steve. I said, Steve, you know what? We got money for the pavilion. But we still need money for concrete. We need money for landscaping. We're like, we can't. My wife had the, the nicest shoes on last week, but there is no way she could have walked out there in that gravel. She would have sunk straight down into the earth like quicksand. And that was right then that I realized, oh, if I'm going to do anything as her <clears throat> husband, that I would go by faith and we would get concrete laid out there so all of you ladies can wear your high heels and walk out there and enjoy the pavilion like it was intended. So we ask ourselves the question, can we afford it? No, but God can. With God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. And so every time I hear people say no, I hear God say, exactly. Now let me help you with the rhyme, though, since you guys are a little bit off. But anyhow, if, if people say no, God says, go. Okay. So when Jonah said no, God said, Go. Exactly. Thank you. Jonah chapter 4, verse 4. It says, The Lord replied, It is right for you to be angry about this. No, he, that's not what he said. He asked the question. And if you look in the Bible and in this passage, he said, Is it right for you to be angry about this? Notice how kindly God treats Jonah. You've heard of the patience of Job, but look at the patience of God. Do you do well to be angry? God could have said, you are wrong to be angry. God did not condone or condemn Jonah. God says, I saved Nineveh because I, Nineveh because I am in the saving business. I used you to help save the whole city. I am very happy that they repented. You see, for there is joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. Imagine 
the goings-on among the angels when 120,000 people repented. Yet Jonah is pouting. He's angry. The word anger actually means to burn. Nineveh was not burning, but Jonah was fuming. He was a grumpy Christian. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost, that which is lost. In Luke 15, verse 7, it says that the angels in heaven rejoice when one soul comes to know Christ as Savior. Amazing, isn't it? Do we get excited when we see people come to Christ? Do we get excited when we see people delivered? Do we get excited when we see victory in the life of people that have been addicted for 20 years or 5 years or 30 years and now they're walking in the newness of life? They stepped over. They realized who they were. Are you walking in holiness? Verse 5. Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. It says Jonah went out of the city. If ever there's a time the evangelist needs to stay, it is right after revival. 120,000 had repented. They needed guidance. Jonah left them. They were like sheep without a shepherd. He sat down. He just sat down to wait. On the eastern side of Nineveh was hill country. Have you ever thought how much of our religion involves sitting? Sit in church. Sit in committees. Sit in boards, sit in the pew. Much of what happens in today's churches is little more than sitting. We've got to get up, we've got to go. Why did he sit there? From a vantage point up there on a sand dune, Jonah could see the whole Tigris River Valley. He figured it would not take long for the hated heathens of Nineveh to backslide. Give them a day or two, and they would go right back to their idols. And if they did, God would destroy them. The royal fire would fall. He would have a ringside seat. He knew God never changes. They would revert to sinning, and God would zap them dead in the door. I do like that one. Zap them. Deader than a doornail. Day after day, he waited. He may have even hoped for them to sin. He listened for the evil music once more. He hated the Assyrians. It was hot out there in the meager shade of this crude homemade shelter. Jonah was just out of his gourd that day. You know, I throw stuff in there like that to see if I get a response. Let me do that. Jonah was just out of his gourd that day. I'm just trying to make this more entertaining for you. When I look at this story, and I realize that God has moved. You know, last week was an amazing service. And last week I felt the Holy Spirit of God three times in the last several years. And I will tell you what I did, and I shared it with some of the men this morning. I walked up to this pulpit, and nobody was in here after service, and I laid my hands on it, and I said, Oh God, meet me here again. Meet me here again. If we come to church and we don't rejoice in our salvation, if we don't rejoice in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, what are we celebrating? If we can't celebrate the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the second coming of Christ, then what are we celebrating? 120,000 people got saved and he is out of his gourd. He's mad. He's angry. He has all these emotions and he has forgotten what God has done. Oh, not once, not twice, but three times. That God showed his provision. I'm not worrying about anything. But I'll go back to that little tour again. As I said to Tyler, Tyler, see, this is God's, you want to step inside here? This is God's sanctuary. See, This is God's house of prayer. This is Jesus' bride, Ephesians chapter 5. This is is where we come and we meet him. Isn't it great? 
Yeah. And I tell everybody, if the Sintas guys come in, oh, they're hearing this story, and they have heard it. I think that's why they've changed on me about seven times. <laughs> because we have new guys all the time. And I'm, I'm like, what's going on here? But that's great, because God's changing them, and I've got to trust in that so they get to hear the stories of his saving grace. Who would have ever thought that we would have gone from a deck with a music stand and a lawnmower in the background to a little CD player, which CD players, I don't even know if you can buy them anymore, you know, and we were worshiping songs like Majesty and He is Exalted and songs that are back in the archives and still have such great meaning. But my wife put together these little binders and these flyers that we could just sing our little hearts out. It's great for me to look back and see what God has done, but to know that He's still doing great things. Please tell your whale of a tale. It's so important. It's so important. In verse 6 it says here, And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there, and soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Notice here, in verse 6, that God says he prepared, he arranged a vine, a miracle plant. God sent this vine to comfort his wayward prophet. And Jonah was, again, he went from being angry to being exceedingly glad. He was happy, happy at last. You can tell a lot about a man by noticing what makes him happy. We're happy when folks are baptized and join the church, but we are exceedingly thrilled at some gadget that meets our personal needs. We're the same as Jonah. His great concern was for Jonah and not the new saints of Nineveh. Jonah looked to the vine instead of God. How many of us look at our blessings instead of our heavenly blesser? How many of us look at our blessings instead of the heavenly blesser? Several times a day, he would go down to the Tigris River and fill a pot with water for his vine. Its shade was wonderful. His skin was still tender from the whale. He became attached to this shade provider. It is strange that humans get so attached to certain things. They get attached to their cell phones. They get attached to social media, to Facebook, to a dog. Sometimes they get attached to a cat or a plant. Over the years... When I have visited, and oftentimes when I come to a home that the person who lives alone, I'll hear them talk to their, to their pets. Sometimes they even talk to their plants with me there. One lady said to her fern, you are so pretty today, you sweet thing. The pastor's here to see you. Hey, I've been there. I've done it. Well, my plants that I planted were this big out in that flower bed. When they got big, I'm out there like, yeah, you rock. You look so good. Matter of fact, this past week, I just had to take pictures of those Asiatic lilies. I planted them from a little ball, and I was excited. So I started to treat them like they were a person. They're about ready to die. Now I'm going to mourn and be angry over their death. <laughs> just kidding. My wife's over there going, oh, help him, Lord. Jonah is alone, hundreds of miles from his friends. He gets attached to this vine. Now he's talking to the vine like I was the Asiatic lilies. He's holding a conversation, and it's making him happy. Hi, little vine. I brought you a drink today. They're getting along great. There's nobody there but him and the vine. Exodus chapter 20, it talks about images. And we won't go there today for sake of time. I'm a few minutes away from closing. But it talks about false gods or false images or graven images. Be careful what images you put before you, the things that you trust in. The reason why our world is in chaos People have put their trust in man. You cannot put your trust in man. The only man you can ever put your trust in is God Almighty. Amen? God is the one we can put our faith and trust in. What is your vine? What are you putting your faith and trust in? And is it what brings you joy in the midst of all of it? Jonah chapter 4, verse 7. 
But God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. So again, God arranged. Circle that in your Bible. God arranged, He provided, He prepared a worm. The worm was a blessing. It was sent for Jonah's eternal good. Jonah needed the worm. The vine had come between Jonah and God. The worm was just as miraculous as the well was. Why? Because God sent both of them. Worms don't normally live up on top of hot sand dunes. But guess what? Just like that, there he was. The worm loved the vine. Often God has to remove our vines when they become between us and Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying? Often, God has to remove our vines when they become between us and our relationship with Jesus. The next time a problem comes your way, look at the return address on it. It could be from God. It could be from God. God often has to send a worm to help us sense true value. Do we delight more in our vine than in Jesus? Do we delight more in our vine than we do in the tree? The next time God sends a worm to our worldly vines, he may be trying to bring us back to Jesus. We may have gotten off the path of life and not even known it. The worm was God's alarm clock to wake up Jonah. So the vine withered. The plastic of this old world that we love will let us down someday. Whether it is money, whether it is things, whether it is health, they will be gone. And the only thing that will last is Jesus. Only Jesus will remain. Two more verses and then we will close. In verse 8, it reads, And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. And right there again, circle the word arranged. God arranged, God prepared. Once again, a wind. A scorching east wind blasted down on his bald head. The sun blazed on his skin, and again he wanted to die. And then our last verse. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. Jonah was angry again. Enough to die. And God is saying, Jonah, the vine is nothing. Maybe God is saying to you, friend, your pet is nothing. Your plant is nothing. The things that you have are nothing. All this time you are spending on the pursuit of the trivial is just nothing. God said to Jonah that the people of Nineveh are worth more by a billion times than the vine. Jonah, you are concentrating on the plastic and tinsel of life. And God said to Jonah, even though Jonah was so prejudiced toward the Ninevites, he was so mean and prejudiced, he hated them. But God said to him, Jonah, I love the Ninevites. Jonah, I love the Ninevites. As much as what's going on in our world today, the hatred that is being spewed out, and the things and the violence and the destruction, God loves all people. Hard to even fathom. Hard to imagine because I will tell you, when I see cities being torn down, Buildings being violated and, I mean, burnt up and statues being destructed. My first thought is this. I, I just swell up with anger. And I am so mad that there's just a trigger inside of me that just sparks something that I never even knew I had. Because I'm so angry. And through the study of this message, God said to me, oh, but Todd. I love those people too. But how could you love them? Such as Jonah said. How can you be compassionate and mercy to such hateful, mean people? It's okay. 
it's all in my hands. I know what's going on. Remember, I'm the Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I know all things. You see, I'm not, I'm not, I'm omniscient, omnipotent. I'm omnipresent. I know all things. I see all things. You see, Todd, I'm your God. You see, Jonah, I'm your God. You see, church, he's your God. And in closing, Jonah did not love them. Should we love those to whom we are called? And if I'm called to be a minister or a missionary, should it be a prerequisite that I love the people to whom I'm going to go to? No. Somebody said to me, there's a church on North Hill. I said, North Hill? Where's North Hill? Over by Cuyahoga Falls. I said, where's Cuyahoga Falls? This is a true story. I grew up in Edinburgh. We went to Boardman Niles area. We never went past Chapel Hill Mall. So people then would say to me, you know, Chapel Hill Mall. I'm like, oh, Chapel Hill Mall. <laughs> I don't know. We live that way. So why would we get in the car and travel an hour to go this direction? I came to Cuyahoga Falls. I went to North Hill. I arrived on the soil here at 226 Southeast Avenue. All because God called me. That's it. Because I felt the call of God on my life. And it is after you arrive and become involved with the people that you begin to love them that God changes your heart. You have become like a family to me. So many people, it's, it's amazing just the, the congregation. It's amazing at New Hope. For many, I've stood at your bedside. Maybe I've been at the hospital. We've gone through death and through the birth of life together. I've been at your weddings. I've been at your baptisms. It's because I love you. Because God gives you a heart. And I remember that guy 15 years ago who had his face in the carpet who said, God, I don't know if I can do what you're asking me to do. He goes, you can't, Todd. But you can do all things through me. Jonah did not love the Ninevites because all he had done was preach at them. Not until you mingle with people and take an interest in them do you begin to love them. And I cannot find anywhere that God asked Jonah to go because Jonah loved the Ninevites. Here's what God told him and here's what he said. I want you to go to Nineveh because I love them. I want you to go to Cuyahoga Falls because I love them. I want you to go to North Hill because I love them. I want you to be in Talmadge, Ohio because I love them. So here's my question to you. As God said to me, you need to help people because I love them. I want you to ask yourself this question. God, can I help people because I love them? Or do I just have so much hate and resentment? And how does this story end? Jonah wrote this book. I think we could well say that he left that dead vine and went down new converts in Nineveh. He became their pastor. He got to know them. And I really do believe that he began to love them. And you see, the final chapter of your life has not been written. Your destiny depends on what you do with Jesus Christ today. And your destiny depends on what you do with Jesus Christ today. It has not been an easy road. I've gotten gray hair. Dealing with people isn't all glorious. We know that. We we live in communities. We're with our families. It's not an easy journey. Surrendering to the will of God is not an easy journey. But the outcome is greater. So will you surrender to His will today? Will you live your life in Him today? Will you speak to someone somewhere today?
Let go. Surrender your anger. Pull down the stronghold of anger. And live in joy, peace, life. And let God and His attributes just overwhelm you to a place where change can be evident in your life so people can see Jesus in and through you. Let's rise to our feet. And if there comes a time where you feel like you're running ahead of God, slow that train down. Run with Him. It's not necessary. Don't take matters in your own hands. God loves you. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Have you accepted Him as Lord and Savior? Have you heard His voice? Have you heard His call? Pick up the phone. Listen to Him today. Let us pray. Father, we love You. We thank You that today we can... We can just resign to the fact that, Lord, even in the life of a man who felt your presence, who sensed your miracles, who saw one of the greatest revivals of the Old Testament, 120,000 converts come to know who God was. God, may people see Christ in us. May we live a life of victory because we have you in us. And even though some curveballs may be thrown our way, maybe, Lord, we, we allow some of our self-centeredness and some of the characteristics of our flesh to manifest themselves. God, help us to resign to that and walk in your holiness and in your spirit. So, God, we love you. Thank you that, God, we all have stories to share. And for those that may not have a story, may they come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ today. Thank you for your word. May we grow in it. May we be challenged by it and encouraged by it. And all God's people said, Amen.